What's up, party people? Welcome to Digital Digital Get Down, your Get down. favorite podcast, favorite podcast host. I'm Bennett. And I'm Heather. <laughs> Great to be here with you. And Thanks for having me on. We did not stop with episode 100. Still going. No. Yeah. Still driving this train. We have been planning this episode for a month and a half. Probably. That sounds about right. And yet still, 30 seconds ago, you asked me what we were going to talk about. I didn't know. I didn't know what book we were talking about. I've kind of lost track. I mean, we do best, you know, with our background in improv, this is really what we do best in. <laughs> I just read a great romance book where one of them was an improv person. Really? Yes. It's and they found love. Yes, and I love you is the title because in improv you always say yes and... Okay. It was a very cute romance novel, You're more novel, classically actually. trained than I am. <laughs> um, I feel like I have a lot of What's random updates. What's on your updates. mind, babe? Go ahead. Um, I've read a lot of books recently. You do. I've gone through you some have. up and downs with books. Um, I like didn't read a single sentence for like a week and then the next week i read like five books Mm -hmm. so i've been going very up and down but i just wanted to share really quickly like the top ones i've read recently that sounds good yes and i love you is one Mm -hmm. of them by ronnie lauren a psalm for the wild built by becky chambers it's a novella i'd like you to read it i think okay um it's it's the only a i've given in in a minute in a while where are you pulling up all these reviews what's book digits dot com. did i spell that right I stumbled pretty good. in the middle there. Um, it is a novella. This is a very beloved author who writes some like sci-fi kind of stuff, and I didn't love her other one. And like, I thought the name sounded. Familiar. But I really liked this novella. Are these are these titles that had been on your to read list? Where do you get all your book? Uh, most of these have been on my to read list. Hmm. My extremely out of control to read list. How many is it at? I don't think I think you'll like divorce me if I tell you, babe. It's under fifteen hundred, right? That is incorrect. I think sixteen thirty-seven. Oh, good lord! Um, most of these come. I'm surprised from... Booktube just still works for your account. To be perfectly <laughs> I honest, I think if I tried to pull it up all at once, something bad might happen. Yeah. Um, I. Get you don't need them... video monitors, people. You don't. You p- young parents, you don't need them. You just get an audio monitor. I. It's one of my hottest parental takes. <laughs> okay. Until he starts climbing out of the crib, and then we'll see. Um, that one with the camera going to help you with. <laughs> then you'll know if the thud is his head or just the sound machine. Mm. Um, most of these come from Bookstagram, the book mm. community on Instagram. I have been led very astray by some of them. Yeah. I think it probably you just about equals them. out hmm. uh, certain people I trust. Wouldn't it, I was thinking today, how amazing would it be if... You liked every book you read, or if you only read books that you were going to like. Terrible! I know, like when whenever people on on Bookstagram like every single book, I automatically don't trust them to give me book reviews. Like it's the oh, people... I don't mean like I don't mean like you find a way to like them. I mean you genuinely are like, oh my god, this book. With every book, I have like a five percent hit rate on that. I feel like you're probably at like twenty five percent, thirty percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think I, I, I think just like 50%. I think just like anything in life, like too much of a good thing, like the ba- the the bad ones balance that out. Like some of these books, I wouldn't have liked as much if I didn't yeah. read a shitty book before it. All right, that's I a was, little grim, but I, was I accept this, it. I was thinking this recently to describe like 
being a stay-at-home parent. Like, what's your favorite dessert of all time? Of all time? Yeah. Like, if I could just, like, whip you up a dessert right here, what would you pick? I'll go Boston cream pie. Okay, Boston cream pie. I made Mm -hmm. you one, and it was really good. It's delicious. Would you want to eat it every single day? not 20 days in no that's how i feel about stay-at-home parenting a little bit it's Mm -hmm. my favorite thing Mm -hmm. to be with our son all day Mm -hmm. but when it's every single day i start to feel like that kid from matilda with the cake it's like i'm getting a little high okay back to the dessert (laughs) you lost me for a second (laughs) and this correlates back to reading you have to read some duds to appreciate the good ones. Yeah. Um, another one that I liked, Nevermore. It's a I feel like there's very, 20 books called there Nevermore. Is. This one's called Nevermore, colon, The Trials of Morgan Crow. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a book that would be right up your alley. It, I, I like really waited on it a while. I wasn't like feeling a middle grade fantasy for, for mm-hmm. a minute. Um, and also our library only had the audiobook. And I'm so shit at audiobooks. Unless I have like a long commute, I cannot commit to a, an audiobook that's more than a couple hours long. I just can't do it. They finally got the ebook, And it was very good. It was a very like typical middle grade portal fantasy solid shit. Um, Undocumented Americans I really liked for a nonfiction one. If you're doing nonfiction November, which is like a thing. Fucking November. <laughs> like... How many things? You're not allowed to shave. You're not allowed to jack off. You you have to write a Is novel. Is the jack off one a real one? No, not November, yeah. What? I thought that was an SNL joke. No, it's mainly targeted at like people who are addicted to porn, but it's a real thing. And they advertise that they're doing that? I'm guessing it's not like the Movember one where like you have a personal like website with donations. And like hashtag, like every post they make, it's like, didn't not today, no, not November, hashtag. <laughs> like how, how is that even a thing if you're not tracking it? Oh, I'll bite my tongue about the mustache one in general, but. Um, I think it's gotten to the point where it's just like the pink in October for breast yeah. cancer thing. Where it's like not really like where's the money actually going? What is that actually for? It gets a little bit lost in translation. Hmm. The other one I was going to say I liked for a YA one was Tokyo Ever After. I just they're saying now it's about me- men's mental health. How does growing a mustache? I thought it was about prostate cancer. It's like pivoted. Because it's like it's like I'm gonna grow a mustache so that you know men can have feelings I've too. I've seen the, the men's mental health thing, mm. and I, I sure whatever. Tokyo Ever After. I'm very, I'm is very, a very cute in YA book. It's yeah. basically like Princess Diary, but make it Japanese, like mm-hmm. if it was the Japanese monarchy. And the Japanese monarchy has been in the news lately because it's like very dwindling down. Like right. there are very few because is that where the daughter married someone yes, who was they have not, like very yeah. strict rules, and like once a woman marries a different family, she's like no longer considered part of the royal family. Countries are the worst. Honestly, though. Um, anyways, that was my little mini book review. <laughs> Countries has the C word in it, I just realized. <laughs> um, what does rally nuns mean? Why did I write that down as an intro? Rally nuns. I assume the World Series we saw nuns on TV is my guess. But they were a thing? Rally nuns? Why did I write this down? This is what happens when we wait too long to podcast. Mm. Is that some of these things don't make sense. Um... The probably only like relevant TV show I've been watching is Made, M A I D. Oh yeah, let's get into that. But yeah, it was a Houston Astros thing. They threw the out the first nuns? pitch. Okay, couldn't remember. Yeah, Not sure good why news it was is notable. that the Astros lost. That's all that matters. Yeah, Made. R I P. Jerry Remy. A 
don't don't idolize him don't you dare <laughs> um <laughs> made is made a okay. netflix tv show it's basically like trauma porn I thought, it was, porn. I thought it was a remake of the MTV show Made. <laughs> it is not. And I was like, this is a really bad remake. It is. <laughs> Although this girl, if she went on Made. She went to swap lives with someone. Yeah. Um, it reminds me the most. Did you watch? Did you have to watch that movie like in middle school, Homeless to Harvard? No. It was basically like, you can do anything because this homeless girl got into Harvard. And it like. Told her just whole, talking about this with someone with you asking you if you'd seen it <laughs> no you were talking to somebody else nicolette no you weren't there when i was talking to her i don't know it was you babe. i don't remember being the direct <laughs> conversation you probably just weren't paying attention like about 50 percent of the time so it's one of it's one of those stories that's just like meant to make you feel better about your life no i got you um so i don't know how i feel about made overall i Good thing we don't watch it together because you'd be very annoyed about like mm. two thirds of the way through each episode. I have to Google what's going to happen at the end of the episode mm-hmm. because it can't handle like the level of like suspense that's building of like whether or not her life is going to fall apart for like the 18th time. So I've had to Google it just to like get through it. I've said I, I would say I've seen about 55 percent of this show. I've yet to see her made mating once. She cleans a lot. You just keep missing it. <laughs> All I've seen is Nick Robinson looking beautiful. He's such a dickhead in this. He's an abusive... Great actor. Ugh. Um, And a lot of sad, wistful scenes with the little girl. And a lot of realizing how little money and opportunity she has. I will say that I do enjoy some of the... Um like production choices that they've done mm-hmm. um with the money like they do a thing it's not like super novel but where they yeah. count down like when she's getting gas it like ticks down of how much money she has left um you were laughing at one point because she was listening to someone and it was like jargon 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 legal 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 yeah. jargon 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 like it, it's from like from her perspective so when she doesn't understand something sometimes they like build in almost like the charlie brown like wah 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 thing mm-hmm. Which is just a funny choice. Yeah. If you're not expecting it. And they also had this really interesting way of showing when she was in this like very deep depression. Was they showed her like literally sinking into her couch and like mm-hmm. being at the bottom of her couch. Um and it was I don't know, it was a kind of like a visual metaphor that was really cool. Yeah. There's definitely some clever uh aspects to it, but it all seems to boil down to here's what it's like to be poor. Which yeah, is a perfectly valid story to tell. It's like, here's what but... it's like to be poor, and it's also like, here's why it's hard to get out of a an abusive living situation. Sure. Like, and um, kind of going into her, like, resilience, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's not, like, my favorite TV show ever. I don't hate it. I have to be in a certain mood to watch it. But Yeah. I'm just surprised it's as popular as it is. It just seems like such a downer. Yeah, it's a little bit of a downer. Like I said, I've had to Google the ending of a lot of them because I'm like, everything's going to go horribly, isn't it? And I just need to know. I just need to be emotionally prepared to watch Next! The Lion Guard. Also good songs. Uh, 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 I found it, babe. You did I've got... Disney Plus can't find a fucking thing that you actually want to watch, but... 
Lots yep. of dumb shit for your kids to watch on the All weekends. I want is one click to be able to see the Disney Channel original movies of my youth. They're, they're, you have to. It's a deep. You, it, yeah. you get there eventually. It's a deep but it's, carousel, as they say. It is. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone says that, but I know what you mean. Hmm. Um, I'm going to be on a podcast. I was going to share that. Oh, yeah. like a perf- semi-professional podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't come out yet, so maybe she decided she hated it when she re-listened to it. But mm. I mean, I did have a fever and a stomach yeah, bug that your day. Michael, it was your Michael Jordan flu it, game. It yeah. was. It was my Leslie Nope. Bad onions. Leslie you Nope. Think? At the, I think it was the Salmonella or yeah. E. coli. What was it? The mm. onion outbreak. I was really mysteriously sick one day, yeah. and we had had onions the night before, and I swear I was a victim of the onion outbreak of whatever disease, and I f- recorded this podcast during it. So either be very impressed mm-hmm. if this other podcast episode is good, or if it's not, I have a very valid excuse. I was If you've ever wanted Heather Ill. to expand on her, some of the teaching topics yes. she's covered it's here. Called it's called Teacher right. Career Coach Podcast, and it's... Um, this really cool lady daphne who was a teacher herself got out of teaching and like found a different she, like a royal person like daphne <laughs> oh this really cool woman really cool girl i don't know what to call her this really cool person daphne and uh she gives advice for teachers who are struggling and are thinking of leaving the classroom or even teachers who just need to like get some better boundaries and some tips for how to balance like teaching and the rest of their life better and i was invited to go on her podcast to talk about informal education because i've worked at a number of different places mm-hmm. um science museum a zoo um a nonprofit, things we like that. So, zoo. so if you've ever wanted to know more about my weird career and you've listened to me talking about you know throwing in random comments here mm-hmm. and there check it out she also has uh, a lot of other tons of great episodes with people much more um important than i you've am you've made so. quite a name for yourself telling other people to quit their jobs do you think there's a spin-off podcast quit on your that? job <laughs> quit your job where the people just call in and could be all of my friends that hate their jobs um it could just me be be me going quit your job every time they complain <laughs> about their jobs um mm-hmm. I'm aware of the immense privilege that I had to be able to quit my job slash get fired from my no, job. This is a good microphone. You don't have to speak with your hands. I just was trying to like <laughs> convey that I know I'm being a little bit mm. glib. Is that the right word? That works for me. Um, about this. And I know mm. it is a serious decision for a lot of people. And I'm very lucky that I have a husband who makes enough to support Ka-ching. both of us. Um, and also childcare is fucking expensive. So mm. that's my job right now. Um, other podcasts i have two other podcast things to talk about i never listen to other podcasts anymore um what podcast did we listen to on our road trip we need to go back and finish it sometime do you remember what it was called i played one from us you played one from yours or from me mine we listened to a bunch of them Uh, (laughs) while we were driving yes on the way back. Um, it was like a serialized one we listened to like four oh, of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to finish. Oh, that rainstorm was scary. But yeah, we were listening to the story of the Oklahoma? Yeah. Oklahoma uh, native court case. Yes. We need to go back. We finished. We this listened to about half of it. land is probably called. This like land. Yeah. Um, I'm not usually like a documentary documentary type uh, podcast listener. Well, no. really any True podcast. crime? No. Um, that's the reason I didn't like the second, uh, book in that romance book series is because mm-hmm. the 
protagonist was like a true crime person and there was a lot of stuff about horror and true crime and it was like gotcha. not my thing um this land podcast mm-hmm. i thought it was pretty well produced the beginning yeah. is a little bit like oh this is a document documentary podcast we right. get it but i thought the story was really interesting and the way the yeah. author delves into her personal connections to it was interesting the yeah that episode was especially interesting and they were also like recording it as the case was at the supreme court so there was a little bit of like almost like uh, in the past but real time yeah to it so we need to go back and finish it for sure the next time we have a long drive um but that would be my podcast recommendation okay that's just the intro that's not even news is how are we doing we're doing lightning round for news okay um i i have a couple I was just going to make a connection. I was going to make a connection. Go ahead, host. So, the road trip we mentioned, we did... a color commentator. We did a a little family vacation road trip to... um, I don't know even what region. The Great Plains. There you go. So, we went to North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Iowa. Yep. We spent the bulk of the time in South South Dakota Dakota with a couple days in North Dakota on the way. Saw some of the state parks. Was much prettier than i imagined mm-hmm. uh, i won't go into like all the details this is not a travel podcast and i'm supposed to be lightning rounding it but yep. um if you have any questions reach out because we really enjoyed it we have a lot of recommendations mm-hmm. of places to see and probably places not to see like um, the dances with wolves theme park Tatanka. um <laughs> my bad news would be some of like the the t-shirts and just the whole vibe of some of the different places yeah it was eye-opening in a lot of ways driving Um, through places it made it it confirmed for me a couple things why donald trump was elected why people think the twin cities of minnesota are amazing those are the two things i learned on that trip yeah (laughs) um so just some of the very strange like novelty leather jackets and t-shirts with like trump's faces or biden Mm -hmm. and uh Kamala's faces and mm-hmm. the the weird intersection of like Native American rights and people who hate the government but also people who support Trump. I don't get it. Yeah. Um so that was part of my bad news. My other bad news that kind of connected to uh, to our trip was missing and murdered indigenous women mm-hmm. and the whole Gabby Petito case mm-hmm. and how horrible her story is, but how once again it shows that like a young white blonde female goes missing and like the entire country stops to try and find her body and her yeah. killer and you don't get that same exposure for indigenous women who go I missing in that area that quite a bit uh because i did fall into it not to an extreme degree but like i was checking like the reddit specifically to it just to see what people were saying about it i think it's more of a media issue well, than that's it what is i was a- getting at is who is actually to blame like sometimes there are stories on the top of my google news that i read usually once or twice a day and i just totally scroll past it and sometimes i click on it as we know sometimes you just see the headline sometimes you click it in the defense of the media the gabby petito story had enough like really weird things and one point that i saw people make was that the fact that they had that camera footage of a a traffic stop where actually she was almost kind of apprehended for supposedly hitting him and then how everything else played out like there was some reason it wasn't just like and a she blonde was like girl's an gone. influencer that had yeah. some level of following so i get it but yeah. it's just it's frustrating i understand why it's frustrating to the indigenous activists who 
try and bring awareness to there's something like 20 something indigenous women have gone missing in that same area where yeah. she went missing and nobody would right. have known that my point is just that it's not i don't think you can point the blame to all one one area like the media there's not one media guy who goes this is going to be our story moving forward like some of it just takes off just because that's how humans that's how things go viral but like right? which humans do do we feel empathy for yeah. both as humans that look like us is there yeah. some level of that or is it is it manufactured empathy or drama mm -hmm. from the media because i think they, it has to be both i think it has to be yeah. both but um fucked up case either way mm -hmm. and I've st i did see some interesting analysis on like how that one video is really out of context because what abusers will do sometimes is like push in this case a man will push the woman to her breaking point so then when she finally does like ask for help she looks like the crazy one yeah and he's the one that's like i didn't do anything i don't know but it's yeah. because of like repeated oh, like sure. emotional trauma and abuse that they then yeah. they then look like the crazy one because they've been pushed to their breaking point yeah anyway if we can take anything away from it it's that the hashtag van life was <laughs> never a good idea um would you like to do some of your news as i have some other a couple thank quite you, connected Heather. ones thank you I still have more. <clears throat> I'd like to come back around to myself. Circle back. Roku. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm never like pleased with our television setup. Mm -hmm. But I was it's I was struggle. I was content with Roku because I felt like I don't know why I'm saying it like Jakku. You're saying it like um, Schmidt from Nubler. We've watched yeah. it too much recently. Um. Because at least I felt like Roku... The big reason I got Roku was because it had Apple TV. And you couldn't get Apple TV many places unless you wanted to buy an Apple device. Sure. Uh, is that blanket supposed to open? It has a zipper and I'm not sure why. Huh. Are you supposed to put like a duvet cover in it and make it like a quilt? Huh. Um, now Roku is getting into all these fights with all of the streaming services. So soon their channels will be gone. Although the funny thing about Roku is, is that... As long as you have the button on your screen, they can't take it away. They can just stop you from downloading it again. Oh, so, so we should never change They're it. going to lose YouTube TV, or they have already, which means they're also going to probably lose YouTube because Google's mad at them. Okay. And now apparently Amazon is mad at them, so you'll lose Amazon Prime as well. Um, I wrote down Aaron Rodgers, but I feel like I also he wrote did down a, he's done enough that there's not even that much more to say. I won't even talk about him specifically. I'm I just not get talk about his so misuse of Martin Luther King I, Jr. I just heard that. I haven't actually read the comment, but it must be batshit crazy. I didn't read the whole thing. It was more just like because about he's civil rights. Going against the grain? What it's about your civil rights. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> um Yeah, so not specifically to him, but just thinking about the vaccine makes me so angry and not thinking about the vaccine just the word vaccine mm -hmm. i honestly believe if they didn't call it a vaccine more people will take it like my question for people who are anti-vax anti-covid vaccine specifically this new pfizer tablet that you swallow are they going to accept that one they've been saying they don't want things that aren't fda approved and then smearing a horse whatever cream all over themselves like that's right. not fda approved so either. this is it's why pressure. i have no faith for humanity at all mm -hmm. because these people don't trust the government. Okay, great. These vaccines were created by American companies. Capitalism, Honestly, baby. it's the only 
only thing about the whole COVID response that I've been proud of is that these pharmaceuticals, you know, as problematic as they are and as bad of an industry as it is, gotcha done fast. they were able to do it. And wouldn't that be like a super obvious, easy thing to say, I'm a Republican, I believe in capitalism, look here, it worked, it's saving our lives. And instead you say, no, I don't want to wear masks, and no, I don't want to get a shot in my arm. I think the most confusing thing... Because the FDA approved it? Their issue is that is both that the government was involved, they and they... Yeah. It's ridiculous. I And now it's all about like, well, I would have gotten it, but now you told me I have to, so now I don't want right. it because civil rights. Um, and look at the NBA. That was one of my good news is the vaccination rate is like through the roof because they required you to get it, right? Uh, or said... The biggest thing, at least preseason, was that you would not make any money if you got if you got COVID and were kept out. So it's basically man. Brilliant. Yeah, that that works for me. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing that confuses me is people who have all of their other regular vaccines <laughs> and aren't getting this vaccine. Like the few, like you know, hippie mommy influencer sure, people that are anti-vaxxers. Whatever. I, I feel bad that they've bought the misinformation but so much. But we should have been able to get to a herd level yes, without them. Yes, yes, yes. If, the, if there's that small group of people who are completely anti-vax, that's fine. The people who, like, have all of their other vaccines... It's like if they believe in Western medicine, like, they have Advil in their in their cabinet. I saw some companies that were... If you wanted to get a medical exemption, they, they asked you, like, 30 different questions... A religious exemption, excuse yeah. me. They asked you, like, 30 different questions, like, do you use Advil? Do you use Tylenol? Yeah. Do you eat meat? Do you, yeah. do you um, drink soda? Whatever. To, to be, like, if you answer yes to any of these, you can't get a medical exemption because you're you're only you're picking and choosing your religion i just i i understand fighting against masks more than i do not getting the vaccine because masks does require you to sacrifice a little bit also pick one or the other if you don't want to wear a mask get the fucking vaccine all the places say if you're vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask unmuzzled that lady on our trip Mm mm-hmm we were coming out of a restaurant that a was... A gluten-free only restaurant where, like, only hippies should be, really. That's the problem, though. There's this weird circle of hippies and anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Um, and we were walking out, and our son and I were wearing a mask, each wearing Two a mask. <laughs> walking out of the restaurant, which had been very quiet, and we had taken our masks off to eat. It's the first, the first and only place we've eaten indoors since COVID, mm. with, like, as a family with our child. And she looked, she, like, looked at us wearing masks and like under her breath kind of said unmuzzled and unafraid (laughs) the fuck um the good news Mm -hmm. is that the vaccine has been approved the fda emergency authorization for the five through 11 Mm -hmm. year olds and i've seen so many good pictures and comments on instagram pages and mom groups and things about people getting their kids vaccinated the kids choosing to get vaccinated and understanding why they need to get vaccinated and that gives me a little bit of hope um although i am a little bit jealous that we still have to wait seemingly quite a while for Mm -hmm. the under five vaccines so yeah struggling with that a little bit um gotta take a talk about facebook meta real quick sure i have no opinions on it i'm over it i don't really have any strong opinions i agree with the people who think that they mainly did it so that now, did you notice when you open Instagram and other apps, it says it's a meta company instead of a Facebook so company? So that people don't realize that Facebook's a monopoly? Yeah. I mean, Google did the same shit, though, no? Correct. Um, 
I could care less about like the actual company branding and that crap. I do not understand the metaverse nor people's belief that it will become a pivotal part of our culture. I strongly, strongly reject that notion. Like VR shit? It's basically the assumption that you will want to be in VR more than you are in the real world. Like the Bitmoji thing? Yeah. That so Zuck's vision is that they will be part of the metaverse and you will spend your day traversing a a a cyber world. I mean this is this is a whole like an old thing, right? Like from um the office when Dwight was in that game. Right, Second like, Life, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. How could you possibly hold down a nine to five job and be like an active member in the metaverse? Because you come home and just log in. That's all you do. Or you're like a freelancer or some shit. But like, I don't even have... I, I stay home all day. And I feel like I don't <laughs> have time. Day. All day. And I, are we getting to that New Girl episode soon? <laughs> um, I feel like I don't have time. I know I have a toddler. But like, I don't have a job. And I still don't feel like I have time to be like dialed into a like... Just all these commercials. like, And then you when they showed the people with the goggles on, it's like... You're just fucking wearing goggles. Like You're not Glass, in a different Google world. Glass never, cu- never caught No, because they were like, oh shit, people are going to wear their glasses into the bathroom. We didn't think about that. And people are going to want to see what's around them. I think what's really happening is that like they know that climate change is just going to destroy the whole world. And they're uh-huh. just preparing for the dystopian version of our of our country yeah. where you live in a tiny little box right. in a I terrible... Re- I haven't read Ready Player One and never will based on what I've heard about it recently. But it's bas- they're basically saying that Zuck is trying to build his version of that where you can just live in a... A universe that's just surrounded by the culture that you love. Very that they think that that's what people want to do. And it goes hand in hand with um, Bitcoin and digital currencies, which I still have never even think... I don't think I've ever even come across an opportunity to use a Bitcoin to obtain something I wanted. So what? It's supposed to be like a stock though, right? Like you don't like sell your stock to get milk. No, they call it a currency that you will use supposedly in the metaverse. The New York, the new New York mayor said he wants to get paid in Bitcoin. Oh my god! Uh, um, my very last quick one. PETA, the animal people, mm-hmm. said baseball should get rid of the word bullpen. Yes, I've heard that. And they recommend arm barn instead. <laughs> I also, it's another very uh, off-base PETA thing though, because people, when you look back at the origin of the word mm-hmm. bullpen. The most common explanation for it is that there used to be Bull Durham advertisements mm. above the place where the pictures would get ready. So they called it the Bull Pen because that's what the picture was. That has nothing to do with what the a animals. film. What a film. Anyways, I have one more bad news thing. Over to you, Lady Heather. <laughs> one more bad news thing. <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, sorry, we are talking about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Next lineup. Yep. I promised on the last podcast I was never going to drink again. That lasted like a full month. You did. And now I'm back to like a glass of wine now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, parental leave. Yeah. I could I could talk all day. I won't because it's already been fucking long and we didn't even start our things, which we have mm-hmm. a lot to talk about, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just bullshit that, first of all, in this whole like building back better 
blocks of things, whatever whatever the, the name of the bill is. Infrastructure bill, yeah. It was supposed to be 12 weeks of paid parental leave, mm. which would still put us, as a country, less than half of the global average for parental leave. And is the issue that that, that was going to be a mandate that the employer had to pay it, not that the government nope. was going to pay it? government was going to pay most was of gonna it. Pay the wow. issue was that... Um, how is the government going to come up with that money? Mm. Elon Musk. Up, it can come up him. with money for everything else. So the things I was most excited about about this bill were taxing billionaires mm-hmm. and paid parental leave. And mm-hmm. both of those got caught very early on. Yeah. Because of like... Too progressive. Fucking Joe Manchin. Fuck right off. Like one slightly moderate Democratic person. Not sure that's his first name, but... Something like that. Yeah. Um, so the average parental leave average Mm -hmm. not highest average parental leave worldwide is 29 weeks after giving birth the u.s has the person giving birth specifically it just said parental leave but sure the u.s has zero Mm -hmm. i've told people friends in australia recently that i got 12 weeks unpaid allegedly and And that is considered good in this country. Yeah. That I got 12 weeks. That you were able to keep... Basically, just saying you can keep your job. You can keep your job and be off work for 12 weeks. Yeah. And plus, I got a couple extra weeks of school breaks because of how the timing was. You did plan your labor quite well. And, uh, like, people were like, wow, 14 weeks? I was not fucking ready to go back at 14 weeks. Mm -hmm. It was so hard to breastfeed. It was so stressful. And that was considered good. That mm-hmm. was past like the fourth trimester where it's like three months past your baby's yeah. date of birth that your hormones level out and things like that. It's just ridiculous. And then it got cut completely from the bill. And then enough people bitched about it that they put back four weeks, which is better than nothing. I just cannot imagine having to go birth, go back to work like days or weeks after giving mm-hmm. birth. Like I was a fucking mess. First of all, our baby was in the NICU. So like... If I had to go back to work a week after giving birth, he wouldn't have even been home yet. We would have had one day at home with him. Yeah. And, like, physically, like, I was, like, sobbing every day. My boobs yeah. hurt. As an I employer, I, I wouldn't want you in the office in that state. Right? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this country? Because capitalism will kill everyone involved if it has no checks. Mm-hmm. Like you get it as a company. If I am a company and I can I can have enough decent workers without paying out any maternity leave, then I will do that. But I've seen some. I I saw an an interesting perspective from a different country saying that when you have someone out for a longer period of time, you can just like have a temp. Like there are like entire Mm -hmm. industries of like short-term fill-ins and temps and things. If you know you're going to be out for six months for a year, like you can fill in. You can right. have someone for a contract. Pregnancies usually time. don't sneak up on people. No, <laughs> so like people were saying that it actually makes more sense for businesses instead of just having nobody doing this job or someone else trying to cover their work or whatever. But once again, capitalism. I would think rather the not harder pay. part of it is the, people usually don't stay at a job for more than a year. So saying I'm going to come back in six months—that's a big commitment in the first place. I guess. Um, okay. I don't know. I'm just fucking pissed about parental leave. I could talk about it all day, yeah. but. All right. Are we ready for some main events? Are we talking about our TV show or our book first? We got to do the TV show. Okay. We, we are talked talk this about... show to death for 
11 weeks or however long it was on. We're going to talk about season two of Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. So I don't know what it was about the summer into the fall, but it felt like America like really needed to talk about this show for some reason. More so than most shows. Like It was all we had. Think about how many shows come out every week that people... You know, probably don't it, even watch, let alone write think pieces it about. It reminded me of Schitt's Creek, where, like, the first season, mm-hmm. or Orphan Black, maybe, something like that, where the first season was a little bit of, like, an indie darling. Yeah. Like, not a lot of people watched it, but the people who did were like, hey, have you heard of this show? Yeah. And then when it got more traction, it you can't see my hand because this is an <laughs> audio-only podcast, but, like, on the graph. It was like more and more people learned about it. So it got more and more popular. And then it hit this peak where like everyone was talking about it. Yeah. But it was it was too good to last. It couldn't last. And then no. And then people started to overanalyze it too well, there much. There was the backlash and, and the backlash yes. is the backlash. Yes. So here's my take in summary, I would say. I believe we talked about season one at some point, right? Mm-hmm. I, We've talked about bits and pieces of this season already. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. My overall take is that at uh, as we were talking about season one, I think I said I would just love to spend 30 minutes with these characters. And I think the episodes where you kind of do that in this season two are the best one. The f- Yeah, the first couple episodes where you were just like kind of catching up with the characters mm-hmm. and they weren't like trying too hard or... or doing too much or trying to push a certain agenda or plot or 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 artificially move a character's development too much those were the episodes where you're like this is the show i wanted and those were the ones that got the most the most grief from all like the online reviewers and shit well yeah the first three were like the ones that they had meant to release all at once apparently yes but yeah you had just had a lot of fun gags with the characters uh, that you cared about yeah and and you had the um the therapist kind of starting to work sure. her way into it, yeah. which was a fu- which was an okay arc to introduce. Then you have the Christmas episode. I fucking love the Christmas episode. I'm gonna watch that every day in December. Even even with the the dental part of it, Phoebe and her bad breath. It caught you the love Ashley moments where I can't. It did, I'll take it. yeah. Um, twelve episodes total. Episode five was called Rainbow. What happened That's there? When it all started to go downhill for me was after the Christmas episode. They tried to actually get into the real plot, and yeah, that that's when summary I lost. meant nothing. That was when they started doing the Rebecca uh, spoilers. If you haven't watched season two, mm. that's when they started doing the Rebecca, Rebecca and, and Sam thing, and that just didn't work for me. Yeah. Then they had some actual game action for like the only time all season. And they <laughs> yeah. were in the the cup or whatever. It's kind of like the pitch where like the show that we love yeah. and would bring back if we could pick a show to bring back, where like they started off with a lot of baseball and then they were almost actively avoiding having to to film the baseball scenes. This yeah. season felt a little bit like that with Ted Lasso in some ways. You get to Man City episode eight, which is the one with the Jamie's most soccer, dad. I think. Yeah, the Jamie's dad stuff. Like, why do they let that man into the locker room? Because Jamie said to. <sighs> I liked that episode, actually. That had a good emotional climax at the end of it. It was, like, Roy and really, and like, man emotions. And then, after that episode is where it really went down for Hill for me. You get a lot of manufactured emotions. Well, right after his beard. Are you going to talk about that? No. <laughs> It's a bad episode. A bad episode. I think that was meant to be his Emmy fodder. Ugh. 
every every yeah, like every like cut me. to the next scene i was just like oh I was waiting for end. it to, to grip me and it did not yeah it was not their best bottle episode um and then the last couple episodes was just so much manufactured drama yeah. a classic case first of all of a tv show not knowing what to do with a happy couple yep with roy and keely for sure and just like so much manufactured drama that led nowhere like they would like get so close to the point yeah and then pull back yeah the the rebecca's dad episode yeah the stuff with ted the stuff uh, with sam like, going to the other sam team like they were circling around this profound message and then they went oh we don't want to go too far i think it that. all culminates with then when they when he finally when his panic attack mm-hmm. uh is outed which you t- Trent Krim was right to be fired. You do not give up your source. You do you, Trent Krim. We saw a Trent Krim um, Halloween, costume. Halloween costume when it was fucking fantastic. Didn't we just had a name tag saying Trent Krim? He looked just like Trent it Krim. Did, he yeah. had the sideburns and the glasses <laughs> and the, like the sweater thing. It was perfect. Oh man! But then you're like, okay, this show is going to have something to say. And it was so relevant with all of the so um, Naomi, Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles. I was like, okay, let's hear get into Ted's it. version of it. And he sits cut down scene. at the press conference, cutscene. It just felt like there it, and then not. And there it felt and then like not. the writers like just had so many great ideas and they just didn't quite execute them. I also feel like they had a teeny bit of like fame fear. Yeah. Where, like, they didn't then want to alienate their audiences by going mm-hmm. too far into, like, toxic masculinity or men's mental health or daddy issues or yeah. whatnot. Like, I had the a... The other I, terrible one from early in the season is when they lose their their sponsor, which in European soccer, it is your lifeblood. It is your stadium. To keep it the is your on the shirt. Yeah. And they just go, oh... Keely's brand new app is all set. And a lot of people were like waiting for the other shoe to drop for that. And they just kind of forgot about it. Yeah. My other, I got to do my alcohol quick rant here. Go for it, baby. I think it's going to be season three, but go ahead. This show needs to say, needs to state its thesis, its philosophy about alcohol. It is used as, it's used in a realistic fashion in this show, both as a celebratory beverage and as a wallowing depression in uh, depression showing beverage with Ted with the therapist, it was the scene with so the therapist explicit. when Ted brings her home after her bike accident, and she has wine bottles stacked up, but like twelve empty wine bottles, like a lot. As if that is how you build a character by saying, "Whoa, she has demons." She's got a, she's got demons exactly, yeah. and then the next episode they drink two beers at the pub. And no, and and it's just like, what do you want to say about this? And Ted, at his worst, is drunk. Has something to say about functional uh, alcoholics, and people are like too scared to say it. I think. I think I'd like to address the worst Mm. part of the whole season. Mm -hmm. What am I going to say, babe? The worst part. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not something you already mentioned. No. Oh, Nate. No. Oh, I don't know then. The epilogue. Oh god, the epilogue was like poorly it filmed. It connects and to Nate. So Nate's, I've read a lot of like things trying to understand the Nate storyline. I understand it a little bit more. I'm not going to go into my whole thesis about it. Mm-hmm. It is a very valid point. I I appreciate that they kind of swerved with how you might have expected the Nate storyline to go. Swerved 
the whole time or at the end? The whole time. Yeah, that, okay. Like, yeah. season two was a swerve. Like, season yeah, yeah, one, gotcha. Nate was kind of, like, the underdog hero almost. And, like... Can I jump in real quick on yeah. this point? I thought, again, they could have landed this. When when they finally have their one-on-one have fight out. at halftime last mm-hmm. episode... And Nate finally gets to really talk to Ted. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody did the math, and it was like they're only seen together the entire season. And Nate starts off, and he's like, you built me up last year, and then you didn't you even pay attention. Me. You forgot about yeah. me, is what he said. Yeah, right. I think that could have been absolutely true. And as a people manager in a corporation, I, I'm i probably guilty of it, and I've certainly seen that, where... One year you are the darling, and you are the you hero. Were that for a while at one of your past jobs, right? And then people like just accept that, and then you kind of become a background. And they piece. just expect you to just keep doing that without the support or without the. And so much of the show is shown from Ted's perspective that I thought, wow, this could be fascinating if they maybe if they like do a weird rewind right here and you actually see a few scenes from nate's perspective and yes nate was a douche all season long to will the locker room kid to colin the the uh mediocre player and all this stuff but maybe we were missing stuff and then instead like a yuri on ice yeah exactly mm. and instead he goes full evil i am the villain and the rest of his rant Again, he made some good points about Ted's still not a very good soccer coach after all this time and all the, and blah, 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 blah. But he like there was no attempt to redeem him. It was just he is the villain. And in the epilogue, he is literally like I Darth Vader. I disagree with you mm. a little bit. Uh, I agree that that scene could have landed better. Mm-hmm. I, a few things that I read, I like... Mm-hmm. I find it compelling what they did with Nate's character, like looking at it from afar. Not fun to watch. That not fun to watch. What my sentence was going to be. Mm-hmm. It's not fun to watch someone be a douchebag. No. And grow into their douchebagginess through the whole episode, the whole season. Season, yeah. Um, like every scene he came up, I just cringe and didn't want him to be on screen. Which, and not, I guess he was almost the villain of this season just because he was the one you least wanted to watch. Yeah. Um, some of the things I've read, I appreciated how they took kind of a more realistic stance of like the nice guy underdog whatever mm-hmm. like that person is not always going to be a nice person once they get power right like you give someone who's been overlooked and abused and has past trauma you give them validation and power they're, there's they, a chance they could, they have trauma yeah. that they haven't dealt with they're not going to magically be a healed person yeah. from one person paying attention to them and giving them they'll in, see an opportunity power. to take out their frustration on someone else and Correct. enjoy that yeah. and and a lot of tv shows uh, or movies especially like you know teen drama movies and stuff show the like the you know the poor nerdy kid if you just give him a makeover and a little bit of power like yeah. he's the the hero now right so i appreciate that they did the that they did the opposite they did something different that's what i meant by they zagged a little bit you expected yeah. nate to continue to be like the underdog hero thing whatever and they went actually this kid has pretty traumatized mm-hmm. and if he gets power and doesn't actually work on any of his issues it's gonna fuck him up mm-hmm I think they did that effectively. Mm. I also read an interesting piece about how 
he and Jamie are kind of foils to each other Mm -hmm. in that Jamie is the popular one. The overdog. (laughs) The overdog. And kind of falls from that. Mm -hmm. But you have both Jamie and Nate that have like fucked up parent issues, came from difficult backgrounds or whatever. And Jamie was a douchebag. And yet he kind of redeems himself throughout this season in Mm -hmm. a slightly weird behind the scenes kind of way. But he redeems himself and kind of deals with some of his issues in some ways and, like, works on himself. And you have Nate doing the opposite, where Nate gets some power and, like, turns into the douchebag. Mm-hmm. And both of them kind of got attention from Ted in the first season in certain ways, validation and attention and whatever. And Jamie took that attention and used it to kind of become a better person he didn't expect ted to be giving him an army man every day and little notes in his lunchbox every day and yet he took that attention and worked on himself Mm -hmm. whereas nate took that attention and kept expecting more and kept waiting for someone to just hand him a coaching job or hand him more power or his his expectations were were not realistic maybe Mm -hmm. and mostly it's just hard to see him doing like the hazing thing where it's like i was hazed so now i'm gonna haze someone else because now i have the power and not breaking that generational cycle he fucking hated being picked on by everybody yeah and because he doesn't sure it's not unrealistic but yeah it's just like dude it's hard to watch i the show plays it in the middle too much Mm -hmm. like i think we've said we wanted them to go a little bit further sometimes i wanted them to either go less far with nate's character and do what you said Mm -hmm. where it's like you kind of redeem him and maybe do flashback of his point of view or something yeah or i wanted them to go further and make him real fucked up Hmm. that scene with keely Mm -hmm. i kind of wanted them to Hmm, let me rephrase this. I didn't want this. <laughs> I was intrigued at the thought that they might push his power over to the e- further be- and have him try to like sexually assault Keely. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I do not want to see that happen. We stopped watching Bear Town because of mm-hmm. the graphic rape scene, and I, I can't handle it. But I thought it would have been that would be the next evolution of his power. Exactly, yeah, is that the whole read. the whole season seemed to be about him trying to gain power and what he could get from that power, how he could impress people with that right. power, how he felt like he was being pushed aside or minimalized. Right. But that whole scene ended up just being so that Roy could laugh it off, and that is what puts him over the edge in the end. Correct. The fact that he's and that not he even doesn't a feel an equal, yeah. doesn't feel threat. So I was watching that scene thinking. This could actually be a really interesting way to, like like you said, the next step of his power mm-hmm. thing is trying to have power over a woman. Because mm-hmm. we've seen he struggles to date. He couldn't get a date in one of the other episodes. like, mm-hmm. And that's part of his issue with power is he doesn't have any, like, game with women, yeah. right? So I was like, what if they make him try to assault Keely? What happened? Like, is that the next step of his power? You're dark, babe. They didn't do that. They just went, oh. Yeah. Um, and it was just another way to manufacture. Once again, it wasn't even really about Nate. It was a way to manufacture uh, some sort of weird drama between Roy and Keeley. Yeah, let's get into that. I'll just say <sighs> last thing on Nate. It is interesting to think back to the episode that everyone loved where he 
bitches um, everyone out. Yeah. Like, roasts everyone. Roasts everyone, yeah. Yeah, one of the things I read was pointing that that was a, actually a really bad thing for him in hindsight, and that it showed that he gets the most attention yeah. from people by wielding his power for evil, kind of, yeah. and being rude to people, and that's what got him his power. Yeah. And that kind of reinforced to him that you need to be a bad, like a harsh person. It was so obvious power. that he was the one who leaked the story about Ted. We didn't need to see the text message that said, by the way, it was Nate. Once again, they went too far with it. If they didn't go explicitly that it was Nate, you would have gone into the next episode being like, was it Beard? Is Beard finally Beard had a weird season. Him? It would have been interesting. And he was pissed at, ne- at Ted before he went out for that that bottle episode yeah so you would have been like was it was it um was it beard mm-hmm. was it um K- kingsley what the fuck is his name uh i can never higgins higgins yeah like you would have had someone in an office this whole time you would have had some more suspense <laughs> had why are you just getting <laughs> to ask that to our son today <laughs> um you would have a had little bit of plot tension. You would have yeah. had a little bit more tension of it. Um, All right, let's wrap up with the, the romances, right? So the you epilogue have... is what I was going to get at. the The fucking Nate thing once again would have been such a cool cliffhanger for the next season to figure out what the fuck happened to Nate instead yeah. of making it very explicit. The f- f- epilogue began strangely with Trent Krim being locked out of his small car for, for no, no reason. No reason. Yeah. The and then you have the once again manufactured Keelian Roy drama because we can't the let weirdest them be scene happy. Of the entire series, he buys a vacation for her for them for six weeks. Yeah, and she goes, "Oh, I can't do that. I have my new company, and I'm starting right away." And he's like, "Okay, come for four weeks and but work. Can't you or, come for yeah. part of it?" And also, I made sure it had internet so you could just work from there. And she was like, "I can't." And then there was no other option besides Keely saying, "Roy, you go by yourself." That was the only. <laughs> It was the only option. We can't postpone it till Christmas. No. We can't. Did like, you get travel insurance? It never came up. No. It was just, oh, you go by yourself, Roy. The fuck, Keely? Yeah. How is that the only Again, option? Again, like the whole boss bitch thing. Like, I, I, I support the theme, but I feel like they just kind of mailed it in at a certain point. It's just like, like, does Keely have any uh, career roadblocks at all it seems like everything just lines up perfectly for I'm her sure that i'll go into it with the next season but yeah um and i just i don't really want to talk about the rebecca sam thing i just didn't yeah. like it it was creepy to me yeah i don't know it didn't do it for me the problem is some of these episodes some of these plot things were like interesting to talk about from a from a distance but watching it i was i felt that the rebecca and sam stuff was very cringy and i felt like the nate stuff was very awkward and that made like 50 percent of the storylines correct not fun to watch not enjoyable to watch so the other sneaky worst episode of the season was the funeral one mm. where i i started to notice like the crutches that the writers of that show lean on yep where they like force characters into semi-private confines areas to get them to talk about things there was all there was all yeah there was a lot of like backstage funeral talk which i don't think is really a thing lasted a really long time and then you really dislike the cuts between ted's revelation and the one time they tried to be like a little bit edgy with the 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 the, how do you call it cinema cinematography editing, yeah. was did not land for me i just the 
like Rebecca's family was sort of introduced in this season. I I liked when the goddaughter finally came around, but the parents, like when the dad died, I could not remember whether or not we liked the dad or not, or why we didn't like the dad. I did remember a little bit, but you can't equate Ted, the main character who've been waiting for his backstory for a season and a half, yeah. to Rebecca, who you forced this situation on just to get Ted to reveal his problems. And then... They never went anywhere with the fact that Ted is being an absent father to his son. Like, they never right. made that connection not in- at all. Yeah, not intentional, but... Physically absent. Yeah. yeah, and I have to say, I love all the actors on the show, but uh, um, Rebecca's performance about reliving her, her father cheating on her mother one time when she was, like, six... I was like, we all should have dealt with this a long time ago. And how are you equating this with Ted's dad? Spoil, major spoiler yeah. here. Ted's dad committing suicide when he was the same age. That's yeah. not... You can't equate that. And to make it seem like it happened the same night? There was also... The two weird, things? There was also like a weird oh. implication that they like happened at the same time. Weird. I thought. Maybe not. Never but. occurred to me. Are we going to call it there, babe? I think we got to call it there. I want to... Um, we got a lot to talk oh, about no. that book. I thought it meant call it on Ted Lasso. Oh, we're going to do the whole book, too? I thought so. We always do a TV show and a book. We're an hour in. I think we're good. The people have been missing us, babe. Some of us have school in the morning. No, none of us have school in the morning. Uh, it's daylight savings. That's the only reason I'll let you keep going. Um, it's I the just, only thing I hate about parenting is daylight savings. Facts. I just want to say about Ted Lasso... I still like the show. The first season really holds up for a rewatch. I've rewatched it almost three times now. I don't think now. the second season will. I don't think the second season will. It wasn't as tight, for sure. I will still be watching the third season. It has still been one of my more favorite shows of the past year. Mm-hmm. The first couple episodes are solid, too, of season two. Mm-hmm. I just didn't love where they went with the plots. And I once again, I think they were... They were pulling their punches yeah. a little bit, whether intentionally or not, um, in the second half of the season. Fair enough. And I will be watching that Christmas episode in December quite often. All right. Are we going to talk about the other one? You really don't want to? Let's do it, babe. I don't have a lot to say, just how baffled I was okay. of how beloved this book this is. is a, this is an unpopular opinion, as they say online. We're talking about Toni Morrison, We're, Beloved. No. Okay, sorry. I won't read that. I don't think it's for me. It's probably not. I, yeah. Um, for a number of reasons. We don't need to talk about We're that We're talking right about T.J. Clune's House of the Cerulean the Sea. The House in the Cerulean Sea, I believe. A house on the Cerulean Sea? Uh, a house near a sea that is Cerulean. I was thinking about this near the end, and I was like, what are the descriptors? The setting of this book is terrible. Um, so this is like an Instagram darling. Great cover. This Actually, no. Not a great cover. Uh, like, artistically nice artistically, cover to look at. I don't think it represents at all... That's not an island. It is. I was right. In the Cerulean Sea. The house in the Cerulean Sea. So, this book, I wanted to get it and and wanted to read it because it was like all the fuck over Instagram. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone was reading this book. It was the best book of all time. Whatever. Um, We read this book. 
I read this book. Did you downvote my review? Did I? Did you? I don't think I did. I don't think yeah. I saw your review. Okay. Um. This so the the synopsis. Do you want to read? Do you want to give the the synopsis since you read it more recently sure. than I did? Sure. Um. I'm blanking on the main character's name though. The, the guy. Um. We need to introduce his name. Linus. I don't know. I think it's Linus. <laughs> I don't know. Linus Baker, I'm almost okay. positive. It's been... I read it, like, at the beginning of this year, so quite a while ago. Yeah, Linus Baker. I got there. Okay. He is a very much a middle-aged uh, blank slate. Pencil pusher. Pencil pusher. Desk jockey. He works in a... I guess it's a, it's a fantastical kind of like the version of, of our magic, world. If you're oh, I was just talking about the overall oh, setting. yes. But right, it's basically a riff on the concept of a bureaucratic magical system. So specifically, his job is to look into orphanages that are raising uh, orphan magical, is the term they keep using, Not all, youths. Not all orphans. Some of them were like removed from their homes by social services because they were like unsafe for their families or whatever, I think. Right. I think it's more of like a foster care situation than an sure. orphan situation. Okay. They're not all orphans. Semantics, sure. Um, not necessarily, but continue. Sure. Um, what does orphan imply? That they were abandoned? Orphan implies that they have no parents or no family at all. Gotcha. And that they're like doing charity by housing them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this was... I don't want to like give away too much of the book, but I think this was a little bit more sinister, and that it was like they were some of them were like removed from their families because of their magical. Gotcha. Okay, I think I'll it's important for something I'm going to talk about later. That's yeah. why I'm. Uh, so Linus spends a lot of the early chapters just like really stressing about out about his job, and it's like not walking to his house. A lot of rain walks, a lot of walking in the rain. And eventually we get to a big meeting that he has with upper management. And they assign him a very special task because, because he is so good at writing reports. He's so average. He's the penciliest yes. pencil pusher. He is the, yeah, the best observer because he has no backbone at all about anything. They, so his job is to go to certain places to make sure they are, the facilities are... Up to code. Yeah, basically. basically. So he gets sent... To the ocean, which he's been fantasizing about. And he goes, rides the ferry to go onto the island to meet this special house of magical kids. The specialist house of the specialist magicalist kids. There's like six, I think, total. There is the the gnome. Mm -hmm. There is the wyvern. Mm -hmm. Wyvern? Wyvern. Wyvern. There is the amorphous blob slash jellyfish. Mm-hmm. There is the shapeshifter. I always thought he was a, more of a, a slug. I pictured him. That's four. Shapeshifter's four. The pixie. The f- spree. Is that what you mean? Sprite. Sprite, yeah. Spree? Oh, I have no idea. Or oh, I think her name is Fee. I'm combining the oh, words. Sprite. Five. And then and the, the Antichrist. Antichrist. Yeah. Lucy Lucifer. I really loved Lucy. The book should have just been Lucy's book. Yeah. And it would have been a fine book. Yeah, or Arthur's book. Or Arthur, I guess. Um, but this is Linus's book. And it's... The author has the decision to make, right? And when you flip to the back flap, it says T.J. Klune used to work in insurance. And he's a middle-aged man. 
He's a gay white man, gay dude. And this is his book. So that all lines up. He said, "Where? what perspective should I use to tell this book? And he said, I'll use the one that I have. We'll get into that later. Okay. Um, I think my one of my bigger issues with this book is that it reads as a middle grade fantasy about a 40-year-old man. Correct. It's a very weird... I think that's why people like it, because adults could feel like they were reading a middle grade fantasy. It got that vibe of like a middle grade fantasy, but about a very sad middle-aged person yeah that's not it, that doesn't intrigue me I it was knew like, you weren't gonna like it i ugh. i owe you a book for this one because i made you read this because i knew you weren't gonna like it it's like oh linus is at work and he's got a really mean boss oh here comes the boss who gives out demerits and oh linus has to be so worried about that i i have to say i do like the middle grade fantasy shit that whole vibe i'm into it i enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of this book. I think I gave it like a B plus or an A minus. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed a lot of reading it. Mm-hmm. I also rolled my eyes quite a lot. <laughs> it was very saccharine. Is that the right word? We both use, I hate that word. We both used it in our reviews. So that's the only word possible. It's like schmaltzy. Yeah. It's a little bit too sweet and magical and it's just like meant to give you the the warm and fuzzies and it's like. And sometimes it succeeded for me, and other times it was so manufactured that I was like, you're just trying to make me feel this emotion, and I, I'm angry about it. It's just it. like, there's no there's no twist in the entire book, in my opinion. Like, mm-hmm. once he gets the assignment, it's like, huh, I wonder if he's, the kids are going to be, like, endearing to him. And it is, and I love that kind of shit. Once again, like, 80%. And it's like, hmm, I wonder... If Linus comes up with some ideas, maybe the townspeople will start to be a little bit more tolerant of these people. I love all these tropes. Like, three quarters of it worked for me. And it was just so forced. Yeah. That I... It was so manufactured, some of it, that I just couldn't swallow it. Magical kids, to me, should be performing magic. There's not one magic They're mythical kids more than magic. Yeah, calling it magic is just dumb. So what you're getting at is like the ridiculous white savior complex of this book. Mm. Where it's like he's like the white middle-aged man and somehow everything he touches magically gets better. He's like an old white gay Mary Sue. Where it's like everyone (laughs) loves him for no reason. Mm. He's never done a single thing of note in his life. And all of a sudden, like he like, finds his He's place. also like the most soft-course gay that there's ever been. <laughs> you were saying that there were some Amazon reviews that were like, oh, I didn't know this was gay. I can't read this book. I was like, like, I read the book and I didn't know it was gay. To <laughs> the end. like, squint and you miss a gay. It was Disney Channel gay. Where our like, knees buckle. Or like, our knees in, like in Frozen, where it's like there are two men in a mirror. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there's a gay couple. Or, like, in The Beauty and the Beast, where, like, he dances with another man. LeFou yeah. dances with another man for literally 0.2 seconds. And yeah. people were mad that there's a gay character. It was that to kind of book's gay. To this credit, like, at least in the epilogue, it's it's not, like, they don't run away from it, but... No, but it's not very overt, either. Like, no. it's not scandalous. Absolutely not. Um, my biggest issue is going back to the... This is why I was, like, being semantic semantical this is why i was we'll go with it i was um being picky Uh about the way you described the system Mm -hmm. because 
TJ Klune has said in interviews right. that the his inspiration for this book, he used the word inspiration, I believe, was residential schools for uh, indigenous students, Native American, First Nation in North America. His inspiration was the idea of, of Native American children being forcibly taken away from their families and having their culture beaten out of them was his inspiration for this book. He said in an interview, like... Meaning oh, those were the bad foster homes. The, the entire system. The system, okay. The, right. the system was thinking of these kids who are different and are being taken by the government to mm-hmm. be taught like a more civilized way of living. Yeah. And he said basically, like, how do I turn this into a fantasy story I know. I'll make the kids magical. Mm-hmm. Bad. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. He took a horrific traumatic event that resulted in, I don't even know how many deaths anymore, 7,000 and yeah. counting And said, deaths. I can give people warm and fuzzies from And this. said, I will make this a magical, feel-good story right. where the white gay dude gets to be the savior and he writes an expose at the end, spoilers, I guess, that like helps the children um so real fucked up points for that that he took uh, genocide essentially and use it as inspiration for a magical story secondarily uh even before i knew about that context the number one reason i didn't like it and i think i even put it in my botages review which i wrote like right after um or maybe i didn't but um I worked at a school that was mostly black kids. The lack of intersectionality in this book was insane. Hmm. It was a fantasy book, not only in this idea that there are mythical, magical children and people. It was a fantasy book in that there are no other issues aside from magical and a touch of homophobia. Right. I think his view is that... Uh, the fantasy magical stuff is the stand-in for race, for gender, for everything. And- so was there not slavery in this world of his? <laughs> was there not Native American genocide? Mm. Was there not any sort of like xenophobia? Mm. Because he has... I almost wish he had not named anyone's race and made it a mm. world where there is no other race besides magical or not. Mm. He explicitly names a black, one of the kids as black. Yeah. One of the six is black. Makes that kid be the biggest, scariest looking kid. Yeah. Comments on that multiple times that he's mm. the biggest, scariest looking kid and gives that kid the most tragic of the foster backstories. Correct. Yeah. So, he purposely names a quote-unquote diverse character, gives that character a lot of stereotypes, mm-hmm. and yet doesn't go anywhere near any sort of intersection. But the of, old white men save him too. Doesn't go. Oh, he likes that. He trusts an old white man now. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. So for me, I did see a decent amount of parallels with the fucked up system and the fucked up school system, even our current school system, sure. with how it deals with race and kids that are different and and things like that but the fact that there was just no like nuance of this kid must have had a worst experience because he was black and racism is still a thing mm-hmm. like he introduces race as still a thing in this situation in this universe yeah but doesn't 
doesn't touch on it at all. And I know that not every book can touch on every issue. Mm-hmm. But to explicitly name it mm-hmm. and then have everything else in the book be like smooth sailing and the only problem we've ever had is magic. <laughs> I, it was a very one-dimensional book in a lot of ways. Yeah, Like the character has a very predictable growth thing it's not even really growth he oh just, he had a growth all right it's not doesn't even get there it's not even i got enough. a couple of nitpicks whenever you're Go. done you're, you're good yeah um a genre that i didn't know i hated but now i do <laughs> thanks to the good place in this is just the bureaucratizing in a, like a fantasy context mm. especially the good place where they got to that last season and they were like oh shoot now we have to like add bureaucracy to heaven and they had that like office where they were tabulating stuff and it's just like off was funny though the yeah, judge yeah fair enough i just don't it just and 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 um soul was the other one too mm, yeah i just that doesn't do it for me anymore like not that i'm the most religious and spiritual person but going the opposite direction where you like put human bureaucracy mm, onto supernatural like things human capitalism yeah yeah really rubs me the wrong way it's almost like could you not think of anything better right i think it's supposed to be funny but it's depressing um i don't understand what the upper management of this organization was expecting or wanted to happen the only part of the whole book that actually kind of made me go hmm was when like the ceo or the head or whatever it was was revealed to have been a former lover of the uh the foster homes leader yeah and so i was waiting for there to be like a, a love triangle or something and in the end the the organization sent linus there just based on what they said on face value that they wanted him to evaluate it i think they wanted him to prove it unfit and they wanted an excuse to shut it down was the yeah. vibe I got. Like, they, they sent the guy that was the least likely to, like, develop emotional connections to anyone. Got because it. they wanted it to get shut down. Because the guy had a vendetta against Arthur. And they, they thought these kids were dangerous. So they didn't want... They, it just seemed like they wanted to, you like... You could rewrite this Put a lot of rules on it. They wanted to, like, have everything be very regimented, and Arthur obviously ran his place a little bit more loosey-goosey, pun intended. Most importantly, Linus returns home to deliver that report, gets the outcome he wants, and then leaves (laughs) with a suitcase. And his neighbor says, what about your home, Linus? That you own. What about this home that you are fully invested in? And he says, give it to your gay son as a wedding gift. As his neighbor, who he fucking hates the whole book, like literally thinks about like killing himself because of how much he <laughs> hates his neighbor. This man, his, all, like, his only capital he is leaving the behind. orphanage needs money. <laughs> Kids eat. Please Airbnb that shit, man. I know. Okay. That was fun. I'm glad we did that. Um... Do you have any upcoming things? I have a lot of upcoming things. Oh my god. I'm going to try to shorten them a little bit because some of these I keep pushing off. But um, Are you excited for Tick, Tick, Boom? A Lin-Manuel production? I don't get it. I can't be excited about it. I don't get it. Hmm. Is it improv? No, I don't think so. Not at all. He had that improv musical thing that was going on. That's not this. I have no idea. I thought he had an improv hip-hop 
So oh, I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. I thought he did. I thought that was a whole thing on Broadway. No, I with don't. The, with the the Roots no. people or something. No. Yes. No. What's I'm just gonna let that be one of your nightmares. I don't know what TikTok TikTok tick boom is. What's coming up, Lady Heather? Um, are we gonna see the new Clifford? I wish we could bring our son. Would <laughs> <laughs> you no. bring our son to the movie? He would love it. He loves dogs. I don't think um, he would love it after. Ha- I don't think he, he doesn't like big things. It's on a screen, though. It's not that threatening. Mm. Um, Witcher season two coming at you. Yeah. In a month. Toss the second season Are we gonna watch to it? your Witcher. Sure. I've been in a little bit of a fantasy mood, more so than I have been in the past year. I think I think it'll be good timing for me. Well, surprise! <laughs> um, Give me your womb! Uncharted, you have hot takes about this. Oh my god. <laughs> Hit me with it. Okay, Uncharted, everyone agrees the role was made for Nathan Fillion. They should have done it ten years ago when... When the man was more mobile, I'm sure. Really, my hottest take was you asking me. <laughs> first, you made me guess of what game was turning into a show. And I forget what my first three guesses were, but they, they were, were incorrect. Yeah. Um, and then I finally got to Uncharted. And you said, guess who is, who is um, Nathan and guess who is Sully. And I said... I said it was an origin said, story. And you said, well, it's an origin story, and Nathan is being played by someone I like. And I said, okay, it's Tom Holland. Like, there was no you debate. You got me. And then you said, who would play a young Sully? And I said, it has to be Chalamet. <laughs> because Chalamet is available for every fucking thing, especially when He's it's a young... younger than Tom Holland, isn't he? Um, Mark Wahlberg looks terrible fucking as Sully. Mark Wahlberg. I, my hint was he's a douchebag and I don't like him even though I'm supposed to. I just really hope they get to the scene in whenever it was the third game where Sully goes, look up, look at the, <laughs> the stars. He just memorizes it. I was in the Navy so I know where every star is at all And I have a photographic <laughs> memory of dots on a ceiling. Um... Yeah, Tom. Yeah, Tom Holland. I wasn't buying it at all. He's like a. I know he's an athletic guy, but he's not what I. That's not what I picture. Haven't you seen the Rihanna thing? I watched yes, it babe, regularly. My God, yes, Very I know athletic. you. I know you know. I know you watched it. Um, speaking of Tom Holland, Spider Man No Way Home. You sure that's the name? I looked it up. Elizabeth last time <laughs> I said, "Do you have hot takes?" and she said, "No." <laughs> I forget. I like had you watch it and you didn't understand what you were watching and you didn't think that there was a third movie. No, you were confused about it's a it's a Spider-Verse situation and I was trying to what? Remember Doc Ock shows up. Yeah, you were trying to explain to me why that was a big deal. Because he's from a different universe. It's the it, it's the Doc Ock. It's the actual actor. <laughs> <laughs> it's the actor from the the Tobey Maguire ones, uh-huh. but it's Tom Holland acting. So it's a Spider Verse situation where it's the Doc Ock, the villain from a different Spider Man universe. I don't give a shit. <sighs> <sighs> it's the actor. It also has a lot to do with Doctor Strange, who I don't know anything about and I don't care about and I never want to see that movie, so I don't really care about that. And we're gonna go see it. Eternals. I don't get it. Who was the one with the, the Asian one that we were supposed to see with 
Simon Glue or whatever his name no was. No idea. I want to see that one because I heard it was good. Um, <sighs> are we going to watch the Wheel of Time Amazon series? Absolutely not. I was like, maybe I'll finally read the books. And I saw there's like 16 of them and they're each 8,000 no. pages. And it's one of those series like, no. that had to be finished by someone else because they died. That's a, that's a no-go for me. Okay. Plus um, Dead Authors is this one. Um, Teen Wolf the movie. I'm very excited about it. Not not with what's-his-face. Jason Bateman. Not the Jason Bateman one. Hearing Jason Bateman talk about his young young acting career is, is, is what makes the Smartless podcast quite quite enjoyable. I was thinking about, we didn't talk about the Halloween movies we watched, which you said had a Teen Wolf connection. Yes, spooky buddies. We looked specifically for Halloween dog-themed movies. Some of them were very bad. Mm-hmm. Spooky buddies, the Some Air of them were Buds, just bad. the Air Bud spinoff spinoff. I hope that Air Bud author is like living a life. It yeah. In. Um, there we have many more to watch. There's like a holiday one. There's a winter one and a Christmas one separate. <laughs> There's Treasure Buddies with pirates. Mm-hmm. We've got plenty more in this okay. in this universe. Um. As long as there's not a wrapping one of, retriever. I'm blanking on on the kid's name, but one of like the main characters in like season three or four of of Teen Wolf, Liam, Liam, mm-hmm. as like a young delinquent when he was like ten, <laughs> was in this movie and very promptly gets turned into a rat. So it wasn't maybe his best acting debut, mm. but he goes on to. Yeah. Um, no, the other movie was really bad. The dog who saved Halloween. Oof, yeah, that, yeah. that one was bad. Yeah. And the same mom was in a lot of these movies, and I don't understand it. She mm-hmm. came so far from Clueless. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I don't care about Teen Wolf, the movie. I'm going to watch it sometime. I'm excited about it. Um, Tessa Thompson, who I like, mm-hmm. is adapting a book that I didn't like called Luster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those like modern millennial type ones that I just keep reading and not enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very stream of consciousness. I never know how to say that stream of conscious book where it's like there's not a lot of sen- there's not a lot of sentences or punctuation. It's just as like really flows from mm-hmm. the person's like mental state. Yeah, wasn't my favorite to read. I may consider watching it if Tessa Thompson is in it and or producing it. Seeing so you try to manage the battery on this iPad and get back to your notes. Um, this is the only way this podcast is going to end if this device dies. The last please. one I have is mm. um, Pixar is making a an animated movie about a red panda. Oh shit! That lives in Toronto. Right up your alley. It's called Turning Red. I don't know how I feel about it. You're gonna love it. I don't even know when it comes out. I wrote that note like months ago. Here mm. we are. Um, it made it. 1%. You did it, babe. I did it. You need to get on that app where you can only talk to people with 5% battery. That's your, yep, it's dead. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. If you made it through this very painfully long podcast mm-hmm. that slowly devolved into us just giggling about inside jokes. Well, that's and stay tuned for Fantasy usual. Baseball Hour coming up next. Baseball's over, babe. Oh. Um... And we're not, we don't do fantasy football. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want more about what I'm reading, well, I don't really even post that much anymore, but Book Digits has <laughs> a bookstagram that you can follow that I am on intermittently. <laughs> and um, I don't really use our Twitter page anymore either, but you can go to DD Gets Out on Twitter, mm-hmm. or you could just listen to our ridiculous back catalog of podcasts. 
if you made it this far, thank you. And have a great night. And we'll see you sometime soon. Peace out. Bye.